Welcome to episode 77 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagiri. And today we are talking about the Jason Reitman directed Up in the Air from 2009, which received six nominations at the 82nd Academy Awards. Uh, Jason Reitman's, uh, you know, new Ghostbusters film is, uh, is, is out in theaters now. Go check it out if you can. Uh, in honor of him, uh, kind of an indie film god, you know, before, before Ghostbusters, you know, this guy, you know, thank you for smoking and up in the air and Juno, you know, just kind of like, just kind of a Titan when it comes to the independent filmmaking. And we wanted to kind of, you know, show some love and up in the air is a movie that we both really like. And I've seen it quite a few times now. And every time I'm kind of, kind of more into it as, as I keep watching it, as I keep rewatching it and just the performances are so good. The soundtrack is awesome. The score is awesome. Reitman's, you know, uh, adaptation of the novel, the same name is just, just really good, just spot on stuff. And I think it coming out in 2009, you know, uh, obviously, ar- you know, around 2008, 2009, you know, our country was in a complete crisis. And I think this movie kind of pinpoints a certain time and place in our country's history. And I, I really respect it for that. So I-, I wanted to kind of start us off with where did you first see this and, and how do you feel about it now? Um, I first watched this, uh, I think, either earlier this year or late last year uh, as just another movie to knock off my Netflix uh, list. And I'd heard for years that it was one of the best films Clooney's ever done. And Mm. I knew going in I was going to enjoy it. And I did. I I fucking loved it. Uh, I watched my second watch was for this show. Yeah. With the second watch. You, you really do start to, you know, kind of feel more of the message. And so, so few films are anti-commitment. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's such a unique message. And like you said, you know, dealing with the fallout of the housing crisis and all the people who were out of work and yeah. the idea that, that somebody can be a professional firer, that their job is to ruin people's day like for a living and how you get like desensitized to that, how it becomes part of your like routine is really sad that, you know, it takes a certain lack of empathy and almost humanity to be okay with a job like that. And I like seeing Clooney kind of wake up from that. It's a, it's a really cool movie. It's it's definitely worth watching. It's really funny. It's really dramatic. I I think this is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, yeah, I read your review earlier today and I, I know you, you give this movie like a nine, like you're a yes. big, big fan of it. Yeah. It's an eight for me. It's just really solid. And I really want to read the book, uh, the book, you know, Jason Reitman definitely took liberties with time and you know, the book was written in 2001 or came out in 2001 and it's just a different tone from what I've read. Uh, you know, again, he utilized, where we were as a country in 2008, 2009, around that, around that time and implemented it into this novel, into this story, into this character, uh, Ryan Bingham. He's just, he's just a fucking blast to watch. It probably is my favorite George Clooney role. I don't know. That's, that's kind of tough. I, 
I'm not, I'm not a huge, huge fan of his. I think he's had a lot of just kind of duds, but I've also really enjoyed some of his stuff, you know, like, you know, oceans, of course. And I really like him in uh, the descendants, uh, Ides of March, I really like him in, and, and in this one, you know, I think he, I think he's fantastic in this. I'm just not, a, I'm not a super fan of Clooney like I am the other superstars like Brad Pitt and Leo, you know. Oh, George Clooney, or as Stan Smith of American Dad calls him, Clune Tang. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've always had a soft spot for Clooney. I, he's one of my favorite actors. He brings this, this gravitas and this like. I don't know, appreciation to almost every film he does, even the paycheck gigs, even in Batman and Robin, he adds <laughs> something to that movie. And uh, my all time favorite is Oh Brother Where Art Thou? That's the greatest performance Clooney's That's ever a great given. one. That's a great one. Uh, yeah, he's a guy I would love to just talk about for hours. Like he's such a, you know, he's the perfect hybrid of superstar and character actor that you just don't see Brad Pitt's the same way. Leo, like these guys, you know, they get voted sexiest man alive, but they also, you know, win well-deserved Oscars. Like you don't see that in a lot of people. And I know, you know, people think he's smug. People think he's full of shit. I I get that. It's Hollywood. Everybody's smug and full of shit. Yeah. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. (laughs) I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good call. I also, I also, you know, I, I'd be silly if I didn't mention, you know, his work in Fantastic Mr. Fox. So, you know, that, ah, that, vo- yeah. that vocal performance is fantastic. Burn After Reading, you know, Cohen's one of their more, <laughs> one of the more underrated uh, movies. He's really good in that. Fucking Michael Clayton from 2007. So I might be not giving him enough credit. I just don't, I, I, I don't think he quite meets that same level as some of those other A- A-listers, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> agree to disagree which is which is rare for us <laughs> i i think i think i think it's the recent stuff that i've had my issues you know like like uh money monster wasn't a big fan of that one uh tomorrowland no thanks uh the monuments men not for me i was really excited for that one i just didn't really like it too much i think it's and, and the american i fucking hate that movie with like a, with a passion uh yeah i i Usually, I understand if someone likes something and I and we we differ. But the American, I'm like, no, man, the movie's just I don't get it. <laughs> I saw that in theaters and I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know. Uh, anyway, Clooney, we'll definitely be talking about him later. But 2009, up in the air. I want to, of course, do some sort of top five, and I think 2009 is a pretty kick-ass year. Uh, I think we both have some like kind of all-time personal favorites within 2009. So I wanted to definitely do a top five with you to kind of open us, open up this episode. Uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to do this nice and easy. You know the drill. Uh, we're going five to one. I'll let you start and I'll finish this off. So what's your fifth favorite movie from 2009? So my top five was very different two days ago. I looked through mm-hmm. my films and thought, you know what? Some of these are longtime favorites in name only. And like I've kind of stuck to them just almost because I've never really thought like, you know, given a second thought to them. So I reevaluated and I added, I changed it all around to accommodate films that I've always had an appreciation for, but never like a lot of people never really, you know, include them in this, in this discussion. So I wanted to, especially my five and four, those two movies are 
in or way out of anybody's top five. So I'm excited to do this. Beautiful. Um, Let's hear it. Number five is uh, one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, Knowing. Uh, Fuck yes. <laughs> one of the creepiest end of the world movies I've ever seen. From beginning to end, that movie is on like just on a different level at the edge of the fucking ocean. I don't know what it is about that movie, but the entire time I'm thinking like, this is too real. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what it is. It's got one of the most like the freakiest plane crash scenes I've ever seen. Um, and it's just a very engaging, uh, intriguing thriller that leads to a vicious conclusion. Um, I urge y'all to check out knowing I don't want to spoil too much about it. It just involves a lot of numbers, a lot of death and uh, Nick Cage. So definitely check that out. I remember driving home from the theater after that with my grandpa, just kind of rethinking life, just thinking about like, Jesus Christ, what we take so much for granted. And it just, it got under my skin and never left. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I love that. That, you know, Nicky Cage, anytime he gets to get brought up, you know, of course we love him here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. I've only seen that movie once and it's been a long time. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it another spin. Uh, that's a, that's a cool kind of recommendation to give through the episode. Uh, <clears throat> my number five is the movie that's probably been here the longest. Well, this one and another one, there's, there's two in my top five that have just been here and haven't left for basically since they came out and that's uh that's that's adventureland directed by greg vitola my man uh the director of Superbad. there's not a lot of, not a lot of one twos like Superbad and adventureland out there for a director adventureland is just dear 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 to my heart and me and my my two older brothers quote it all the time when we're around each other and it's one of those kind of staples in our relationship uh for for pop culture soundtrack is fucking bonkers you know it's got like the replacements and nxs and lou reed uh just really really cool stuff and taught me a lot about that music uh and you know that was when i really opened up my eyes to lou reed and velvet underground and i was like holy shit what have i been missing and and i just i I love the setting of it you know i love i love the the 80s just kind of like sort of coming of age but also they're all like past college so they're just kind of like fucking meandering around and not really knowing what to do so they work at this fucking theme park you know this this amusement park and it's kind of like got carnival games and rides and stuff and it's just one of those wacky places that's run by bill Hader and Kristen wig two two of the biggest snl legends of all time especially in 2009 and uh you know jesse eisenberg not my favorite actor but that movie and social network, you know, he, I was, he was one of my favorite actors for a time. And I just, I, I always have such a blast with this movie. I, I can kind of put it on anytime and I'm, I'm very happy when it's on. I'm very, very excited for each, you know, each little bit, you know, like Lisa P is back. <laughs> I love all that stuff. I love the, you know, the conversations that they have about just what are we doing? You know, we're in our, we're in our, you know, early mid twenties and we're just kind of here and we're in this, you know, they're in Pittsburgh and it's just kind of like what's happening around us and what can we do to kind of make our lives better while also you, you, you can't sit in that you have to do something. So they decide to work at Adventureland. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I, I relate to that in a sense where not, I wouldn't say now, but there was definitely a time 
or times where I've worked at places like this, where it was just a bunch of young people, like, what are we all doing? <laughs> and so you fucking succumb to, you know, alcohol and, you know, drugs and stuff. And you're just, I, I don't know what else to do. So I, I really like this movie and it's kind of always got a place in my heart. Uh, it was very hard to cut some movies. I, 2009 is deep for me. I like, there's probably 20 movies that I really like and probably 10 that I love. And that's just, that's just rare for one given year. And uh, when I was looking at my letterbox, I was like, shit, man, I got a lot of, a lot of four stars, a lot of four and a half fours, mm-hmm. a lot of five stars, like shit. I love this year. So uh, <laughs> it eventually ends awesome. And I'll always kind of stand by it. That soundtrack is one of my favorites. I remember Adventureland. You, uh, one of the first things you wrote up for, the website was kind of a retrospective on Adventureland. And I remember thinking, that's really cool. Like, none of us really ever thought to do anything like that. And it really showed your passion for this movie. Uh, it's one I definitely would like to revisit. I've only seen it once. Uh, and I remember just loving that Rock Me Amadeus was constantly playing throughout the, yeah. the park and driving everyone insane. Yeah, Martin Starr and Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> are like, they're like fucking around. Uh, and yeah, I'm a deus, I'm a deus. And Martin Starr is like, you fucking sadist. <laughs> he's, he's so angry that this song keeps playing, keeps playing at the park. And then there's just a, a fucking killer scene with uh, Judas Priest breaking the law playing. And uh, that there's like a chase scene in the park. And Bill Hader has a baseball bat at one point. He's like, come on, you motherfuckers. <laughs> he's just so amped up. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I just... I think it's mostly that connection I have with like some of my friends and mainly my two older brothers where I'm just like, I, like they understand like, yeah, we, like we get it. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You talked about cutting and 2009. I didn't realize had some big, some big films for me. Yeah. And uh, the three, I ended up car- like cutting out, which was really difficult and kind of forging a new top 10 was Watchmen. Mm. Uh, up and um zombie land okay i i thought you were gonna name one there but maybe it's gonna show up here so we'll see because there's one here that i was like holy shit i forgot this is 2009 and this movie fucking rules (laughs) and yeah we'll see we'll see what happens what's your number four my number four is one of the funniest british comedies i've ever seen oh yes (laughs) i already know (laughs) in the loop 2009 uh basically A, uh, a British uh, government member says some really stupid shit on the news that puts the spotlight on the wrong people and pushes uh, the U.S. and the U.K. further towards declaring war in the Middle East. And Malcolm Tucker, a, I guess, problem solver for the British government, has to kind of do damage control here. And he is the most foul-mouthed, ridiculous human being I've, like, I've seen in years. Yeah. Yeah, and it really endeared me to Peter Capaldi, who plays Malcolm Tucker, and Armando Iannucci, mm-hmm. the writer director who earned a screenplay nomination for this. Yeah, and it's based off a British TV show called The Thick of It, which I've seen a couple episodes of. It's just it's so great. It's dry. It's hilarious. And this movie has one of my favorite insults I've ever heard. It's when uh, Malcolm Tucker is walking through the streets of DC, screaming you know, Fox on his phone and this, this uh, American tourist goes, hey, buddy, enough with the curse words, all right? And he just goes, <laughs> he looks at him like, what the fuck are you? And says, 
kiss my sweaty balls, you fat fuck, and walks away. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't believe what this, this movie is insane. Everyone is just on fire the whole time. Uh, James Gandolfini plays a G- American mm. general who's like, you know, in a constant dick measuring contest with everybody. And it's just a brilliant, hilarious watch that you will not regret if you haven't seen this. You don't need to watch the show. I hadn't seen the show when I saw the movie and I loved it. So definitely worth a watch. Really funny. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the best thing about In the Loop is that it doesn't cut you off from like gaining something out of it if you're just watching the film. Great shout. I I, just, I kind of I didn't forget about this one because I was just again looking at my letterbox and I was like, oh yeah, here's another fucking eight. You know, here's another solid fucking movie. That's a really good call, man. I wasn't expecting that. I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah, I can. Uh... I'm like, since it has that screenplay nom, I want to do it on this show so bad. Oh, yeah. No, we will. We will do it one day. I, I do, you know, while I was watching Up in the Air, I was kind of like, I want to do more movies, not necessarily like Up in the Air, but more movies that are just kind of, just kind of, just, just fucking movies. They're not, they're not, whoa, look at this fucking Lord of the Rings. Whoa. Like, they're just fucking movies that someone made with a passion and, you know, and they're, they're there and they're entertaining and they're, they're, they're dramatic at times and you know there's different different types of stuff it doesn't always need to be citizen kane or rocky or like these movies that change cinema sometimes it could just be you know peter capaldi screaming obscenities at american tourists yeah (laughs) like when we did the in bruges episode i was like this is just fun as fuck this movie is just fucking fun (laughs) (laughs) and yeah yeah i'm with you on that in the loop is definitely definitely gonna be gonna be on the show at some point good good call oh (laughs) man uh You'll remember this one from my my number four from my uh, my Criterion uh, Channel diary days, where I was writing. I was writing uh, every month. I was re- logging what I just what I watched on the Criterion Channel because it just blew my mind that this was a place where all these movies were right here for me to see, and I'm just always excited when I get on that app and I'm like, oh my god, look at this new shit that they have. Uh, like, for example, I just watched uh, this movie from 1992 uh, called Just Another Girl on the IRT, and it just fucking shattered me and, like, <laughs> just, like ruined, like, ruined my night in the very best way. And I love when that happens, but I also love when I'm able to find a writer, director, in this case, brothers, who made a movie that I loved, like, Good Time and uncut gems and then i can go back and watch their old stuff and this is daddy long legs from 2009 good lord daddy long legs it makes so much sense that they're at where they're at now uh watching their old stuff you know uh, like lenny cook the documentary just just incredible stuff and then daddy long legs is written by both of them uh josh and benny safty and directed by both of them and it was also uh ronald bronstein he's he's plays the main character lenny uh he also helped write it and it is just kind of like a, a kind of fucked up, you know, little, 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 uh, little look into this, this dad who just doesn't have anything really going for him. And he's got to take care of his two sons and he doesn't know what to do half the time. And he's fucking scheming and doing these little things, teaching them horrible habits while he's doing it. He's just trying, but he's trying, you know, he's just trying. He's like, I, I, I don't know how to be a dad. So I'm going to do it my way. And it, it's it's filmed in such a way that you're you're you feel like you're watching someone film their own father, and so I, I feel like the Safties maybe were like, okay, 
this is how our dad operated or something like that. Or they knew a dad like that, that, and it was so, it felt so authentic and so true to oneself. And I, I love when movies like that just kind of, kind of hit you at the right time. And, you know, I watched this shortly after Uncut Gems kind of just, you know, floored everyone. And I was like, holy shit, these guys have, have a catalog, you know, it's not just, it's not just this Adam Sandler movie. You know, I, I, I had already seen good time. I love that one, but I, I took it to the next level with daddy long legs and Lenny cook on, on criterion and watch watching videos of those two guys talk about movies is, is everything I want. I, um, I really hope people try to go watch this one. It's, it's super moving. It is a real weird pace to it. It's real, real choppy at times. And you kind of have to be in a certain mood, I think. But for me, I'm, I'm always in a mood for a movie. That's just kind of feels like a handheld, you know, look into, look into someone's life. And I, I, I enjoy it a lot. So it's a movie that, um, you know, takes the place of a lot of movies I've been with, you know, for fucking 12 years now, you know? Um, yeah. But I like it. I like it that much. You know, I have it as a four and a half on Letterboxd. I would give it a nine. I just really, really respect it. And I've only seen it twice now, but I, I would I would like to own it and watch it more. It's awesome. It is kind of weird having to look at like, you know, a firm top five and think like, am I, you know, obviously I'm not the same cinephile I was when I was 14. Like things yeah. change, things, you know, evolve and you have to come to terms with that. You have to cut some darlings. It's, it's, a, it's weird, but it does kind of just reaffirm your stance as a, as a diehard cinephile. Yeah. And I think for me, and you, you know, this more, more than anyone, uh, I, I just, I, I wel I welcome that. I welcome yeah. adapting and changing and changing my mind about, wait a minute. I, I do love these movies and they hold a special place in my heart because I saw them when I was fucking 14 when they came out. But now if I'm to watch the two movies back to back, I know which one I enjoy more as a, again, as a cinephile, as a movie fan, as someone who just, it just kind of consumes the shit out of this stuff. And I you know, just being honest, you know, I mean, I've seen Adventureland like 50 times seen daddy long legs twice i just i i just like i respect it more and that's just how it is fantastic i've i've yet to see this as, as far as the safety brothers are concerned i'm still just in the uncut gems uh park i haven't seen the rest oh. of their work I'm, I'm i'm going to i promise yeah they're um, the best man i love those guys they're so cool too like they just love fucking movies you know they're just obsessed but speaking of Criterion, I subscribed to them on YouTube recently because I've um, I've discovered the uh, the closet picks. Mm, yeah, and dude. Oh my god, that <laughs> shit is crazy. Watching people go in there and you're like, ah, I want to. I know. <laughs> I have a new life goal, which is to write a movie that is fantastic, gets all sorts of awards, so that I get invited into that closet. <laughs> oh, dude, I get I get abs chills with anyone who walks in there, especially the. I think I pointed this out the Michael K Williams video of him going into the closet is like a must see. It's like two minutes of just genius stuff. And he's so excited to be in there. It's so excited to grab movies off the shelf and be like, Oh, look at this, you know, Charlie Chaplin, he's the man, you know? And he's like, dazed and confused. You have to have this. If you like movies, you've got to have this. And it's cool. It's just cool to see them on that fan level. You know uh, it's yeah. I, I adore that. I know I've tagged you a ton of times in different videos on Instagram of people going in that closet. Cause it's just, it's overwhelming. I don't know if I could go in there without having, you know, just like crying. <laughs> I just, just lose my mind. Well, I loved, I think it was, um, 
oh, who was it? Was it William Friedkin who said like the the history of world cinema is in this closet? Mm. And I was like, fuck, that's incredibly profound. Like these guys yeah. have been just, you know, preserving stuff that no one else has thought to preserve. And that is miraculous. Yeah. Uh, I have the utmost respect for the Criterion Collection for what they do. And it's, it's, it was so satisfying to see directors and actors who respect that even more than I do and to just yeah. see what they love, the movies that created them. I mean, that yes. is fucking amazing. Yeah. And then, and then, and then occasionally you'll be like, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. They like that too. Kelly Reichardt likes that movie. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that, happy the criterion channel exists and the collection exists and i'm very happy that it only cost eleven dollars to be a part of that incredible library uh of films it's just crazy and i love their format i love i love the interface i love everything about it so i've i've always you know i've got another movie that's that's from 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 criterion on my list i just uh i i think i think you know hbo max and netflix and these things are are great they're great to have, especially HBO Max, because they take a lot of Criterion stuff. But if you're like, if you're really a cinephile, I feel like you really eat this stuff up. Like you kind of, kind of need it, kind of need it. I, I, uh, I also want to, you know, got to give a shout out to Arrow. They do amazing stuff as well. Uh, you got to, you got to sign up for one of those. You know, it's just, it's important. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, if you're really serious about this stuff, you, you got to go after the very best. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, and I don't want to put down anybody who's not into that stuff. I, I get it. If you just like, no. Watching, yeah. You just want to, you know, sit down and watch your Marvel movies. Nothing wrong with that. I do that shit all the time. Not at all. Disney plus has a great catalog as well. You know, that's just, yeah. I just think, I think if you, if you want to, like you said, if you want to like, you know, see the great stuff that that's, you know, the Fellini and Agnes Varda, you know, those, those kind of people and John Luc Godard, those like, you should, you should, you should give it a go, you know, and this is the best way to do it. Yeah. If you want to get to the Emerald City, you got to follow the Yellow Brick Road. Very, there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. What's your What's your number three? This is fun. My number three is the movie we are talking about today, Up in the Air. Hell yeah. I was hoping it would show up on one of our lists. It's not on mine. It's not on mine, but God, I love it. <laughs> this, yeah, we're going to obviously get into this, but th- this movie is hilarious, um, inspiring in a weird way, uh, super sad, and just a, a gem that showed me jason reitman is somebody to watch out for and like since then i've watched you know i went and saw ghostbusters afterlife i watched juno and this this guy is just a deer i love his his directing style i love his his uh his he's a legacy Mm. and uh yeah i'm sure he's gonna be doing a lot more in the future yeah for sure yeah i love it yeah definitely gonna be gonna be talking a lot about up in the air and I'm, i'm super excited to kind of dive into the 82nd Academy Awards, look at those six nominations and then give our own awards out to that movie because it, it's just got a lot of cool stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Big time. What is your three? Ah, my number three is the is the is another Criterion movie, a movie I watched uh, through, through that channel uh, like a year ago. No, no, more than that. Like, like a year and a half ago, I would say. It was when I was finally deciding to go through Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, catalog go through all of his stuff and dog tooth dog tooth i knew Jesus this was going to show up i knew this yeah. was going to be here i love dog tooth. 
<laughs> Dogtooth is a fucked movie. Very fucked. Uh, you know, if you like the lobster, if you like the favorite, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, what else? I guess I guess that, you know, uh, Alps. Uh, I, you you got to see Dogtooth, you know? I think it, it uh, represents Yorgos in the very best way. Just so dark. <laughs> so, so dark. And it's early in his early in his run, you know, it's he does Kaneda in 2005. Not, I don't really I don't really love that movie, but I, I respect it. I like some of the directing style. But Dogtooth, I think, is where he figures out. All right. Like, I'm, I'm going to kind of stick in this lane. I'm, I'm going to make very bizarre, strange movies with like crazy performances, get get the most commitment out of my actors. And he hasn't really looked back. You know, I, I, I love love his his resume. I don't, I don't know which one's my favorite though. Like there, I, I really respect them all. It might be Dogtooth. I might need to watch it again. I don't know. I, I just, that was an experience watching, watching Dogtooth. I watched it like at one in the morning as by myself. And I was like, wow, it was one of those moments where like, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? You know? And, and then, then something happens and you're like, oh, that's why, you know? Cause I, I respond to this really weird, bizarre shit. So I don't. I really don't want to give away too much about Dogtooth. I think it's one of those that people have to be floored by. You know, uh, you just got to. Yeah. You kind of got to go into it and just, all right, see what happens. But it's about a fucked up family, you know, <laughs> as, as you'd expect from Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> <laughs> after after the favorite, Yorgos is a guy that you convinced me to, to look into, and I enjoyed the lobster. I enjoyed the killing of a sacred deer. But Dogtooth, uh, Dogtooth was too much for me. It was way too fucked up to enjoy, in my opinion. It was just like I couldn't get behind this like horrific situation and the visuals. Yeah. And just again, I won't spoil it on your behalf, but be prepared. This is, you know, this is not your average family drama. This is something that you can only get away with in Europe. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you know, some of the stuff, if you watch it out of context, you're like, wait, what? Some of the, some of the dialogue the screenplay is fucking bonkers. Like uh, the son, when he's like, mom, I found two little zombies. <laughs> it's like talking about something completely different. Cause they realign the whole language and it's just so fucking weird. And, it's it yeah I, it is an acquired taste but you do either way you have to go into it just i don't know what's happening and, and you'll have you'll have more fun that way <laughs> if if you say so <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so good i'm just thinking about that scene where uh the the oldest daughter is like mom what's a cunt <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah just great great stuff love it awesome stuff so <laughs> Dogtooth, Yorgos. Yorgos is the man. I can't wait to see where he goes. You know, keeps going from here, right? He's he's one of those kind of prestige directors who's like, I don't watch my work. I just do it. <laughs> he's one of those fuckers, and I I usually love those guys. They're just they're they're just so wacky and so uh, committed to their personality and their individuality. And I, I I respect them for it. So, what's your number two? My number two is a film that back in two thousand nine. I never, ever would have thought I would love so much. I had zero interest in this franchise until I saw this movie. And while my 
my fandom isn't huge. I haven't seen a good chunk of it. I do appreciate the foundations and something about this film, I think resonates with anybody who knows Star Trek. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to see it in 2009. I didn't give a shit about Star Trek. I'd never seen anything. I knew the, you know, I knew Kirk, Spock, Starship Enterprise. That's all I knew. And I ended up seeing this with my mom and one of her work friends and his kids. And at first I was just like, okay, Star Trek is two hours plus great. Wonderful. And um, then I was drawn in, in a heartbeat. I was like, this is exciting. This is cool. I even not knowing like the source material that well, there's certain moments in this movie that you can't help but smile at and have butterflies. Like when we see this, the enterprise for the first time, when, mm. you know, Leonard Nimoy shows up as Spock, you get like, you, you just understand the gravity and it's, it's, it's crazy. I've never had that happen before where I've jumped into a franchise that late and felt like I'd been there since the beginning. It mm. was such a strange, bizarre feeling. And since then I've had a whole new appreciation for star Trek. I wouldn't consider myself a Trekkie, but I do enjoy it. And this is my favorite of the entire franchise. It's a hardcore 10. It's a fun watch anytime. And I just adore it. Fantastic. That's crazy. I, 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 I knew you liked, we've, I think we've talked about this. I had no idea it would be in this top five. I, that's, that's a good movie. Just to just standalone. It's a good yeah. movie. Yeah. It's very entertaining. And like you said, it's got some just like breathtaking shots. And yeah, I, I may have to revisit that one just to kind of give it, a, give it another whirl. And that's one of my favorite things about these top fives is I'll just kind of get re-interested in something because I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, I like Connor's opinion, so I <laughs> might, might, as well, might as well check that out again. I, I know it's, got, it's, got, a, it's got, a, got a big fan club. You know, There's people who really, really, really love this movie. And I, I'm, it's, I'm happy to hear that you're a part of that group and very cool. Uh, my number two, I have a feeling is your number one. Just got a slight hunch <laughs> because it's probably the best movie from 2009. And probably Quentin Tarantino's best movie overall, and that's Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> just, just a through and through masterpiece. My God, like I really, I really do think it might, it might be his best movie overall. Uh, I, I, I think his catalog is obviously one of my favorites. You know, I really respect what he's done. And you know, our very first episode ever on this show is Pulp Fiction. But I think Bastards is just the strongest you know i think it, it's like the apex of tarantino it's when he i think kind of kind of realized okay i can please everyone here i can be really fucked you know really fucked up i can also take a setting like world war ii that everybody everybody knows about and i can give it this whole spin that's wicked entertaining wicked dark but also people are just gonna like you know i think i think you know uh dogs and pulp and jackie brown and kill bill i think i think there's people who are just like nah i'm good i kind of get that i kind of get it but bastards i don't i don't know if you have a pulse if you're not like oh that was fucking amazing you know and and i i know you you know we both see it as a 10 it is a 10 it's just it's just amazing and i love how in the movie brad pitt says this is my masterpiece you know it's really cool it's kind of kind of telling i don't know if he's ever going to top that movie and uh, Django's Django's real good hate plates real good I love once upon a time but 
bastards might have been kind of the, the 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 middle of his prime where he just was like the best filmmaker in the world kind of thing and and it, I, don't, I don't really know what else i could say about it it's going to be an episode on this one day it just will it's it's gonna happen We're just kind of biding our time you know because we don't we don't you know we love Tarantino. <laughs> we don't want to like always do his movies. So it, with doing that, we've only done one, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just uh, how we both feel. We want to cover a bunch of different filmmakers, a bunch of different writers, different actors and different actresses. And uh, he, he's just the man, you know? Uh, so it's your number one, right? Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you. <laughs> yeah. This was the only one that wasn't budging. Like everything else was kind of up in the air, <laughs> but yeah. This one was, this was firm. This has been firm since 2009. This is mm. one of my favorite movies of all time. It's the first Tarantino I saw in theaters uh, and blew my mind from day one. Same, like, what? same. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's a masterpiece. It's endlessly rewatchable. It's two hours yeah. and 40 minutes that fly by. Yeah. Uh, it's loaded with incredible performances. It's the first time I saw Michael Fassbender. Uh, mm. It introduced uh, the wet, like, America to Christoph Waltz, who plays the like the most evil, brilliant character that Tarantino's ever written. Yeah, I think Hans Landa might be his greatest feat in characters. I just good lord, and probably the best opening of any of his movies is that yeah. opening. Arvind Shoshana. like that's just like lightning in a bottle. That whole that whole opening bit is just perfection. It's brilliant. It it introduces it tells you everything you need to know about Landa. You know the all the milk. It's it's so yeah, unsettling yeah. the whole time, and you know just from the beginning he knows exactly what's going on there. He knows that the the Jewish people are under the floorboards. He is just fucking with him the entire time because he gets off on it, and he does that to everybody the entire movie. He knows exactly what's going on the entire time, but he loves playing games with people. It's it's so sadistic. Uh, that's great. My favorite scene by far is the uh, the basement bar with mm, uh, yeah. the major who figures out the, the, the fucked up accents. The whole scene's in French and German and it has this realism and this incredible tension that just goes off. It's so fucking great. I could watch just that scene over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, nothing's gonna top bastards. I, I just my 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 favorite Tarantino, like his masterpiece. My opinion of you know my answer to that question fluctuates daily, but bastards is always right there. I th I think it is. It's I won't say undisputed. It's it's definitely disputed, but it's a contender, and yeah. I I will sing this film's praises forever. It's one of my absolute favorites. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen Bastards in a while, go fucking check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great. It's really, it's, yeah, it's really amazing. And, and Brad Pitt, you know, for all the wonderful things he's done, Aldo Rain is, <laughs> is kind of at the top of the list. Uh, I know Cliff Booth has, you know, is the more recent one that's gotten a lot of love, but Aldo, Aldo is where, you know, this is where it really started for him with, with, with Quentin. So it's very cool. Well, I guess true romance would really be where. where, where <laughs> Floyd. Yeah. Everyone yeah. forgets Floyd. Yeah. I don't. I fucking love that character. Condescend me, man. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great stuff. It will be. It will get its own episode at some point on this show. You know, just just a matter of time. Uh, well, my number one is just as uh, predictable as your number one. I think for for you and I, that's you know comes from comes from the motherfucking Cohen brothers. A serious man. Yeah. I just uh, uh, my I don't know my favorite movie of theirs, along with Lebowski and No Country for Old Men. I love those three. It's like a three-headed monster in my mind of like look what all the fucking you know all the shit we can do with filmmaking you know, we're we're the we're, we're the masters when it comes to two brothers just just kind of crushing it over and over and over a serious man is it i think it takes a couple watches uh i think you know bastards it doesn't take much time to realize oh my god i'm watching some of the best stuff i've ever seen but a serious man i think really takes takes a couple takes a couple goes takes a couple stabs and you're like oh okay this is this is really fucking clever this is really good and i like when a um a director in this case two directors can utilize a, an actor like michael stewart like like what we've never seen that before from them you know <laughs> you know we all know the dude we all know you know fucking high from raising arizona you know we know anton from no country but like this you know Larry Gopnik is just such a unique fucking character. And I know that they've, they, they, they can, they've always fucked with kind of the, the Midwest and just kind of like, well, I don't know what's going on, but Gopnik is like this genius inside of this movie and things are kind of crumbling around him, you know? <laughs> and and I, I adore pretty much every second of it. It's another one I'd say along with Adventureland, th- these two, I can just kind of put on at any given moment, and I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of in at peace. I'm I'm like, I'm Austin. I'm comfortable right now. This is what I do. You know, this is the movies I watch. These are these are movies that I I I call I call my own type type thing. And I st- I kind of stand by it no matter what. You know, I think the Coens have one of the richest filmographies in in American you know cinematic history. And A Serious Man, I think, is the one that gets lost. And I I, I don't I don't quite understand that. If you give it a couple goes. You just you, you just start falling in love with kind of the simplicity of it, the at the same time some of the complexity of some of those those questions those deep questions of just what the fuck is the point of all this stuff and I, I really really enjoy it really enjoy the performances Richard Kind knocks it out of the park uh, I really like what he's doing and then you got a bunch of just normal people in the movie in fact uh, you know is filmed is filmed in Minnesota. And my brother, my uh, one of my older brothers lives in Minnesota right now and has lived there for like 10 years. And his girlfriend knows this guy who is an extra in a serious man back when he was a kid in school. You know, it's, it's towards the end of the film, you know, the big, big like wow ending. And he was at that school standing outside during that storm, you know, and uh, he signed my serious man copy that guy. He's just a fucking, you know, random extra kid in the movie. <laughs> and he signed it, you know, and he was like, anybody who's a friend of Jeremy's, my brother is, you know, is a friend of mine. And he's like, I'm glad you like the movie. <laughs> like, I don't like it. I fucking love it. So I love that part of it, that there's these just non-actors all kind of all over the place, but it, it, it just does something that, that just gets, gets kind of, gets kind of into my heart. And, and I, I really respect it for that. It's kind of, it's been my number one for a few years now, you know, this and bastards, 
very, very different movies, <laughs> kind of polar opposite type movies. But I, I respond to this one so much. Do I think it's better than Bastards? Nah, not really. But for me, like in my, in my mind, in my world, it just kind of affects me more. And I always, I always kind of respond to that. I, I don't let that deter me from, from choosing it at, at a number one spot in a top five. You know, it's, it's all about individuality, your passion, you know, let that shine through. And a serious man is as passionate as I can get about a movie. I, I, I love it so much. Um, oh, this is fun. Love doing these. They're, they're so great. So uh, no Half-Blood Prince. Holy shit, dude. I was really thinking, I was like, Connor's going to throw it because that might be the best Harry Potter movie. And I think, mm. I think Connor, I think, oh, no. No, not, no, no. I disagree with that big time. Wow. I think that has probably the biggest, most, that's the, that's, there's only one part in that whole series that like made me cry. And it's, it's of course inside Half-Blood Prince. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Half-Blood Prince is a good movie, but it carves so much out of the book. Like 90%. It has to, dude. It has to. <laughs> but we lose so much. We lose the whole point of the Half-Blood Prince. We lose Voldemort's origin story. We lose yeah, that ha- sucks. Ha- Harry and Ginny's relationship developing in a realistic way. Like, yeah. It's just, I like it, but it's, it's the bare minimum. And, and that really hurts. So I order of the Phoenix and half blood Prince have a little bit of a, of a black mark for that in my, in my room, in my mind. Interesting. I'm not a huge fan of order. Uh, I think, I think Azkaban's always all like always will be and always has been my favorite. Those first two are just like, they're, they're so young. They're so young. And some of the acting is so bad at times. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of have to roll with the punches yeah, but it gob- goblet's awesome. It's got some got some great moments, you know. Kill the spare. Uh, that that shit's great. And any you know, of the last two, I, I enjoy. But I think Half Blood has just got this edge to it that I fucking dig. And uh, it's, it's fucking Snape, dude. You know, like Snape well, is lights out in that one. I will say the scenes it did do, it did beautifully. I mean, it it adapted like what you need to move the story forward. It it had. Okay. I just as of as of as a longtime fan of the you know big fan of the books, I wanted more. But I am realistic. If it was the book, it would have been a six and a half hour movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and also I read the books after watching the movie. So Ah. I'm one of those I'm one of those weirdos who didn't read the books till I was like 20 years old. So uh, and I I, and I enjoyed the shit out of them. But uh and the movies, you know, actually this is the only one I saw. Half Blood's the only one I saw in theaters. Uh I was not into Harry Potter as a teenager, like at all. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand the, the fandom behind all of it. Uh, I just, I was, I was kind of confused. Like, why is this so fucking huge? You know? And then uh, one of my good friends who's like got Harry Potter tattoos and shit, he was like, let's watch them again. (laughs) You know, like, like, let's go through them properly and watch all of them. And I did, I, I sat over like a whole weekend, me and him just like got a bunch of snacks, bunch of fucking soda. And we just hung out and stayed up all night watching these movies over a weekend. And I was like, damn, these are pretty tight, dude. I, I, I dig these. They're fucking entertaining. And I, I really dig the journey that you get to go on with, the, with those characters. Um, how about you mentioned Up earlier. That one's tough to leave out. I really like District 9. Fuck, that movie's mm. really good. Drag Me to Hell. I fucking love Drag Me to Hell. That one was hard to cut. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I also had a hard time cutting that one. I'm a huge fan of Pirate Radio. I oh my oh. god, that movie. That movie's so fun. Uh, Forgot about Pirate love, Radio. <laughs> another British one that I love is The Damned United about about a soccer manager. Great stuff. I love Michael Mann's Public Enemies. I know some people are not oh, yeah. into that one, but God, I think that movie's great. I love 2009. I think it's loaded. Uh, and then there's you know there's like random movies like uh, uh, you mentioned Zombieland. That one's fun as shit. Uh, I think Polytechnique, uh, Denny Villeneuve's movie is like wicked dark and cr- a crazy experience. I love Jennifer's Body. Uh, I love Funny People. I, this this year's awesome. <laughs> I'd like to shout out Angels and Demons. Yep. Yeah, uh, there you go. There's another one. Divisive film. The Christians pretty much just destroyed it in the in the in the uh, reviews. You know how dare they make a movie about God being anything less than perfect? But yeah. I angels and demons has such a cool story and such a great twist and awesome characters and takes you deep into the Vatican. How do you not just enjoy that? Yeah. I, it's Tom Hanks solving a murder mystery and a, possibly a terrorist attack. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> have a heart. <laughs> yeah. Have some fun. Put your walls yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love it, man. I, I, yeah, I think we could do this forever, you know, and just yeah. can make, make a top 20 and we'd have fun with it. Uh, it's, it's, it's so much fun looking at these years, especially when we were teenagers and you have those connections to movies you saw in theaters or you saw right after they came out. And, and then you have movies in between that 12 years of, of life that you just, you grew, you grew attached to. And that's, it's always a blast doing these top fives. Uh, and, you know, they're going to, they're always going to be here. We, you know, you and I are doing these all the time and kind of take, take the episode and pick something that's attached or actor, director, actress, whatever it is, and just kind of run with it. So expect these always. Um, next week, we might even do another one. We'll see. With a pretty big-time director. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do want to, you know, talk about Up in the Air and the, you know, is your number three, right? You know, let's, let's recap real quick before we move on to Up in the Air. Go okay. ahead. Uh, number five, Knowing. Number four, In the Loop. Number three, up in the air, number two, Star Trek, and number one, Inglorious Bastards. Beautiful. Uh, number five is Adventureland. Number four, Daddy Long Legs. Number three, Dogtooth. Two, Bastards. And number one, Serious Man. Up in the air was very close to making the cut. It's just, it's really good. Really good movie. Uh, Jason Reitman. Let's start with him. Oh boy, this guy. It's cool to see a guy get rewarded with something like Ghostbusters after just putting in fucking work, you know, and since, you know, 2005, thank you for smoking. Since, since then he's been just kind of at it and chipping away and chipping away. And I think he like really got his big break here. And from what I've heard, people are really enjoying this movie. And I know you enjoyed it. Uh, the new Ghostbusters. So very cool. Uh, he's, he's an Oscar nominated guy. He's someone who I think is going to, just be around for a long time. If he's doing movies in his thirties, they're like up in the air where it's like, Whoa, mind fuck. Think about what he's going to be doing in his, you know, 50s, 60s, you know, it's just really cool. Oh, it's fantastic. I love getting to see these up and like, I won't say up and comers, but like our generation of auteurs, you know, our Scorsese's our you know, fucking Brian De Palma's our Coppola's and then getting to experience their career in real time is a fucking treat. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then I know you went back and watched Juno, which he was nominated for best director uh, up in the air. He got 
adapted screenplay nomination, directing nomination, and best picture nomination as he was an executive producer on the movie. Pretty, pretty cool. Juno. Awesome. Right. I love Juno. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> Michael Sarah, you know, the guy, that guy just continues to amaze me. Uh, he's, you know, doing a lot of really strange stuff now, does a lot of stuff on the stage these days and has kind of challenged himself that way, but a freak cinephile, like a freaky cinephile. And if you listen to him talk about movies, you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> he's, he's just got this like boundless knowledge and he clearly spends so much of his time just seeking things out, seeking things out. And that's, that's, that's uh, something I love to see. And then going back and watching, you know, Juno and Superbad and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And you're like, that guy, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I, I was very impressed. Uh, I hadn't really known. I didn't know anything about Juno. I knew that um, Elliot page was pregnant and that's it. Like I knew nothing about the story itself. And I was very impressed with this, the way it treats pregnancy as not like a, you know, a life sentence, but as, you know, a decision to make and that there are options, you know, you can do, you can give the baby up for adoption and no, it's never treated as like a negative thing or like nobody's ever, you know, looked down upon for making that choice. And we need more movies like that, more, more movies that provide, you know, a positive look on a situation that may not be ideal. Mm. Uh, and the supporting cast is just brilliant. I love J.K. Simmons in anything. Oh. He does. And just him as this, you know, supportive father who wants to say some shit, but never quite does. Yeah, he's <laughs> I <perfect>. love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, J.K. Was... <laughs> J.K., as you get older, you just realize this, this guy's like simply one of the best character actors we've ever had. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, he's the bomb. Um yeah, I'm very glad I decided to watch Juno. It's one of those, you know, modern kind of indie classics that I should have I should have seen by now. So I'm glad it's it's under my belt now. There you go. Yeah, I love it. Now, yeah, of course, at some point it's going to come up again on a different episode. And, you know, yeah. now you'll now you'll really be able to dig into it. Maybe we'll do an episode on it one day. I would love to. Uh, yeah. Reitman, Reitman's the man. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing more Oscar stuff as he continues through his career. Uh, but this guy who we talked about at the top of the show, George Clooney. He's no fucking, no fucking slouch when it comes to Oscars. Uh, he, he was nominated for original screenplay, Good Night and Good Luck, uh, directing, Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, one for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Siriana. Uh, was nominated for Best Actor in a Lead Role for Michael Clayton. Nominated again for Best Actor in a Lead Role for Up in the Air. Uh, adapted screenplay for The Ides of March nomination. Uh, another nomination for Best Actor in a Lead Role, The Descendants. And then he is a part winner for the Best Picture win for uh, Argo because he was a producer on that movie. Just stellar stuff. Like, the, this guy's an absolute superstar and one of the most recognizable names. Uh, again, I, I want to see him do some more stuff now that we, now we're into the 2020s. I want to see him kind of get that 2000s juice flowing again. You know, I think... Good night, good luck, Siriana, you know, Michael Clayton, like up in the air. Fuck yeah, you know. I want to see yeah. more of that as as he continues through his career. He's, you know, obviously a, a, a guy who's like super easy to watch. He's one of those just kind of got got the superstar look. He's got the superstar fucking salt and pepper hair. He's he's Clooney. There's there's no two ways about it, you know. And 
it's one of the more impressive resumes for an actor slash writer slash director of our generation. He's, he's, you know, I, you know, I like him and Ben Affleck, you know, are kind of two names that I think are just, they've kind of done everything. They've kind of accomplished everything. And they're, you know, wh- where do you go from there? And Clooney's in that, in, in that zone. Funny that you'd also, that you compare him to Ben Affleck considering they both were Batman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. I'm waiting for Christian Bale to suddenly, you know, direct and produce a bunch of shit. Eh, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, Bale, Pattinson, Bale's though, down the road, good. he'll do it. He, he, Bale is too good at acting to, to, <laughs> to, to ever not be just doing that. You know, like he's such a freak of nature. He's, a, he's in a world of his own, Bale. Like, good God. <laughs> like one day he's going to bulk up for like another fat role and not be able to lose it because he's fucked his body up too much. And he's just going to be trapped. <laughs> um, but yeah, Clooney, I've already said, you know, he's the man. I've, I've definitely got a lot of homework to do. I have not seen Syriana, Michael Clayton, or The Ides of March. I, mm. I got to sit down and watch those movies. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's the man. Uh, did you catch The Midnight Sky from uh, last year? No, no, never saw it. Better than I expected. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good to worth, hear. Worth a watch. He did a great job. Uh, awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know that he's on. He's on a on a decent track. Yeah, I think it's impressive that Batman and Robin didn't completely torpedo any hope he had of a film career. <laughs> he's like he's like too good looking, too like yeah. too unique, too yeah to to let anything kind of hold him back. And then I, you know, being in oceans, uh, you know, Danny fucking yeah. ocean like that that changes the game for him. Well, I think also he Batman and Robin gave him a big old dose of humility. Mm. where he realized this is fragile and always changing and he can lose this at any moment. So yeah, I think since then he hasn't taken anything for granted, which is good. That, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I like that kind of his trajectory has changed because of that experience. And that's always good. You know, like, that, like you said, that could either break you or kind of, kind of make you. So very cool. Uh, these next two women, Vera Farmiga and Anna Kendrick, both just not, they only have one nomination and it's, it's for up in the air. But, but, you know, Anna Kendrick's kind of like a superstar. Uh, she's, she's been in so many different kinds of movies and is very recognizable. And she's got a lot of fans because she's done certain movies. Do I wish she had made different decisions throughout the 2010s? Yes, of course. But Vera Farmiga is like a, is like a poor hero to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I, I love what she's done with her career. I love the kind of challenges she's taken on and... I'm a huge, huge fan of hers, and I, I love, love both of them in this movie. Yeah, they're both fantastic, kind of playing like, you know, past and future. Like, you know, this is like Anna Kendrick is Vera Farmiga, like when she started, and Vera Farmiga mm. is Anna Kendrick after she's been just disillusioned. Yes. It's, it's great. And they both they play off each other fantastic. I love Anna Kendrick kind of starting out as this uptight. You know, I know everything kind of young office worker and Clooney having a show where like, actually, you don't know Dick <laughs> and teaching her how the world really works in their job. And I, I just love that. Their, their back and forth is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then Vera Farmiga, God, you like her so much until the fucking reveal and you just hate her so much. Yeah. You just like, you don't tell the man you have a family that never comes up. Oh, yeah. God. But then also it's on Ryan for falling into that, you know, into that trap, constantly saying I will never be tied down and then falling for someone who's unattainable. So who's really at fault here? 
Vera, yeah, Vera Farmiga, yeah. she's at fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, I think that you know the writing's on the wall right at the beginning when they're they're you know taking out their cards out of their wallet and they're like, and she says like you know we're impressed by status. You know, I think, I think they kind of pinpoint it right there. Those two characters are like, we know what this is, and it's not going outside of this. But he's like he becomes hopeful. He becomes like, Oh my God, like I really like spending time with her, but he never, he never, he clearly has never had to actually ask those really tough questions to anyone. So he doesn't know how he's not trained to be like, wait, are you in a relationship with somebody else? Are you, you know, do you have a life outside of this? He never asks those really hard questions. He just assumes she's going to like me so much because you know, that's what we've been doing. And they're both at fault, but she's really at fault. Like you, he doesn't have a family. <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't have a marriage. He doesn't have children. Like you just don't do that shit when you have your, your loyalty should be set to some, to a specific person and your kids. So yeah, she's majorly at fault to me, just as a human being, I know we all have, you know, flaws and whatnot, but you, there, there, there's just, there's no forgiving that, you know, when you turn on your husband and you're doing this nonstop while you're traveling for a job and you're calling it a parentheses. Like that's so, that's so egotistical and so fucked up and such like a primal, like, Oh, I need this. So I'm just going to do it while I'm here and not, not worry about it the rest of the time. It's just really fucked. It's a great character study. This movie. Well, he, you know, he's constantly, he, we, we see throughout the movie, just how vain he is. I mean, he, the only reason he's attracted to her is that he's, she's him she's yeah. you know with a vagina assumed, yeah exactly i love that line but he just assumes that because she's so similar to him she doesn't have a home she doesn't have anything tying her down either this is her life he just, he just assumes that and yeah it, it fucks him but also if she was never willing to actually treat this as a real relationship she never ever should have accepted the invite to his sister's wedding that was yeah that, that was, was bonkers that was bonkers and they go to like yeah. to his old high school and they make out next to like the gym and stuff yeah like yeah. fuck off dude like <laughs> it's really crazy you know the the like length she goes to just to be like in a an escape like wait what i don't know yeah uh, it's re- yeah but she's farmiga is so good in them in this movie and i i kind of wonder like She's got this in her, you know, does she just need the right screenplay, the right direction to just kind of go through the roof? Cause I, I don't think she's quite topped this since. Oh, conjuring pays the bills, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight up horror, horror pays the bills. That's what that's, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. It's a shame, but she does have it. And we've seen, you know, like the departed, like we've seen her hold her own with, like, even in the many saints of Newark, she's one of the standouts as uh, Livia Soprano. So there, you know, she's a fantastic actress. I think she just, you know, yeah, maybe a little variety would, would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like her a lot. I also love her in the Netflix little mini series. Uh, when they see us, she, she's like incredible in that. And it has this whole wild hairdo and, you know, check that out if you haven't seen it. It's awesome. Uh, next up, we got, we got two more actors to, to talk about who are both just stellar and then uh uh we'll talk about the costume designer for a little bit uh jk simmons uh one of the most pure and undisputed supporting actor wins of all time for whiplash to me is it's 
it's probably the best one I've ever I've ever seen. Best supporting win I've ever seen. He's just fucking unreal in that movie. And like you said, you know, in Juno, in fucking Spider Man, you know, he, he's he's consistently been doing this for like twenty years. Like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. He kind of he kind of lives in this world, whatever however long it is, you know. And he he's there. He's he he just doesn't leave. He's so committed. And I. His scene in Up in the Air is fucking amazing. Oh, my God. A lot of these people are real-life people who got fired, right? Yeah. Not him. Not him. He's, like, 100% acting, and it's just – it's lights out. Bob. Yeah. yeah. Just constantly you know, telling Andy Kendrick, like, a very good point, you know? Like, go fuck yourself. You don't know like, you don't know my life. You don't – you clearly don't care. You're reading off a script. And then Clooney just swooping in there with the save. I, It's great. It's like a, you know – it's a fucking layup. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And it works. Bob just is like, you know what? It's not worth fighting. Like this is going to happen. Might as well just deal with it. And we never see him again. It's just a one-off quick scene that works. Cause JK is the fucking best. Uh, yeah. God, I, he's so good. I feel like I see him in like every third or fourth movie I watch. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. always there. <laughs> And TV. He's like in a lot of random ass TV shows. And I just, yeah, love this guy. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait to just keep going. He's one of those guys I always look forward to seeing. And uh, I know I'm going to see, you know, how many credits does he have here? Uh, 214. I'm nowhere near done. Yeah. <laughs> Bang. He's also like willing to do commercials. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy clearly is just like, oh, something was offered to me. Let's fucking, let's fucking do it. They want me. Let's fucking do it. Beautiful. He is, he is my favorite part of the Spider-Man franchise. Uh, yeah. Him and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. I, I love it. I've quoted it too much. I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> crap. Crap. Double crap. Do you hear me? You're fired. Hey, we need a page one. Oh, yeah. You're unfired. I need you. Get over here. <laughs> yeah. His hair, his mustache. Yeah. Just pristine. Pristine. Where do you stand on... on on his role in Whiplash, is that like where where is that ranked for supporting actor wins? It's at the top. That yeah, that movie's like, like top three. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't watch that movie like without if I try to like put it on and like read a book or like look at my phone or something, it's not going to happen. I'm going to get sucked yeah. in, and this is now what I'm doing. This is an yep. amazing movie in one of the most mesmerizing and just terrifying performances of all time. And I'm so glad he won. He deserved, he won like everything for that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm very, I'm thankful for that win. I'm glad we have that performance to be just part of our lives. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Wow, whiplash. I think that was episode eight on this show, like way back. And we, we were just so excited. We're like whiplash, whiplash, whiplash. <laughs> this movie's perfect. <laughs> I, lo- I love it so much. I really wish it would have won best picture, but that's okay. Uh, Next guy, another another like Titan and a guy who's been around for a long, long time. That's Mr. Sam Elliott. Ah. Got the most unique voice maybe ever in Hollywood. <laughs> you know exactly. Same with JK. You know exactly who you're watching. Even if your eyes are closed, you're like, oh, that's fucking Sam Elliott, dude. You, you can't mistake it, you know. Uh, and he was nominated for he's only been nominated once in his long, illustrious career. That was for a uh, supporting actor in A Star is Born, 2018. And that, that movie, I like that movie a lot. I don't, I don't love it, 
I like it a lot though. And I, I really, really like what him and Cooper are doing uh, specifically that scene when uh, Bradley Cooper gets back from rehab and Sam Elliott drops him off. And that's when Cooper just admits like, Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to emulate dad. I was trying to emulate you. And he closes the door and Sam, Sam Elliott fucking like, like he would, he fucking grabs the, you know, the, the headrest to the passenger seat and fucking looks back at the camera and starts putting the car in reverse. And you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> just, just fucking melt to the floor type stuff. Like it's just one of the best fucking scenes, like short scenes I, I've ever encountered. And he, he's so goddamn good in that movie. Um, I, I love Sam Elliott. Anytime he pops up, you, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun little scene or it's going to be a really tough scene, you know, gritty type scene. And I love that about it, about a, you know, a guy with that kind of gravitas where you're just, you're just suckered in by, by simply his voice, his facial hair and kind of the, the leathery skin he has. You're like, Oh, this guy fucking rules. <laughs> I've, I've always liked Sam Elliott, but I didn't know he had that kind of, dramatic range when i saw a star is born i was not expecting him to almost steal the show i mean jesus christ his role that bit where he just starts like stifling sobs it's i mean you got to be heartless to not feel something there i yeah i really wanted him to win this i I thought he had it um mahershal ali ended up taking it for green book i believe yeah and uh i don't moonlight yes green book I, i don't know um but Sam Elliott should have taken that Oscar and that would have just been really cool. Like, a, you know, a, a lifetime of bit parts kind of, you know, rewarded almost. It would have been really cool. But, you know, he's known mostly, I think, from our generation as the, the cowboy in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, the stranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to use so many cuss words. Yeah. What fuck you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I got to say, I like your style, dude. <laughs> it's so Some cool. kind of Eastern thing. <laughs> my god perfect perfect touch in that movie in lebowski every touch is perfect but that that one especially is you know putting sam elliott in there with the hat on and drinking at the bar just money i love it so much he's awesome uh that that's is what what a unique cast you know clooney formiga kendrick simmons and elliot like it's just like what the yeah. fuck yeah recipe for fucking gold and those are just the oscar nominated people i mean we've got jason bateman we've got zach yeah. alfanakis we've got danny mcbride like yeah zach zach alfanakis oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it so much so great uh, uh that there, there's only one kind of uh crew member that uh that, that we're gonna bring up here that's been oscar nominated that's danny glicker who is the costume designer. Uh, he was nominated in 2008 for milk costume oh. design. So, you know, milk, milk's a fucking amazing movie. I really want to do it on the show one day. I, I love, 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 love the performances in that movie. And costume design is one of those, one, one of those categories that, you know, of course, isn't, you know, super, uh, doesn't have a lot of anticipation, but you, you can find some, some unique stuff and uh, you can kind of see what someone's taste is, you know, uh, the, the costume designer specifically and how they kind of influence the movie that way. And I think, I think typically, you know, we think of costume design for, you know, like period pieces and, and stuff like that. But when you, when you can do something like up in the air uh, and, you know, this was up for 
uh, it was nominated for a costume designers guild. You know, I, I think, I think the costume design in up in the air is like underrated. And I think that kind of a touch and that kind of, you know, like what Danny McBride's wearing, <laughs> fucking, fucking hell, man. And all, all the people in the different offices that we go to through St. Louis and Detroit, you know, I, I really like all those little touches, you know, it's not always just these big extravagant, you know, costumes. Sometimes it's just fucking clothing. And I, I, I like that about a movie and make, makes always makes me want to rewatch milk whenever I see something about it. So I love that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love milk. Uh, that movie. <laughs> When I, w- I remember watching that in, uh, I think it was my junior junior year of my undergrad and just being absolutely floored. I didn't expect it. I didn't know anything about Harvey Milk and learning about him with that movie was just incredible. I was moved. I was infuriated. Mm. Uh, brilliant film. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. It will, it will come up here one day. That's uh, Gus Van Sant. Yeah. I'd love to just kind of talk about him. His career is <laughs> so interesting. Can't believe that's the guy behind the Psycho remake. What the I know. Fuck? <laughs> I on um on sneak preview uh, last week, Caleb and I did our top ten worst remakes, and Psycho was on mine. And I I looked into it, and it was just Gus Van Sant said, "I'm taking one for the team. I'm doing this, so no one has to." And I remember thinking, uh, like, no, nobody asked you to do this, Gus. You don't need to do this. Yeah, like, like yeah, come on, off, Gus. Coming off Goodwill Hunting. Like you're you're a very promising up and comer, and this this is what you're gonna do with it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, of course, I want to talk about the 82nd Academy Awards, but I'm having a hard time here because it's all six nominations are like heavy, heavy categories, heavy hitters, and I don't know where should we start. Should we start with like the because there's three there's three uh acting nominations and then there's screenplay directing picture i want to end with best picture but yeah should we start with the performances first and get those out of the way and then i don't know i always like to just take imdb and start at the bottom i think that's that's usually that's the way i always do it okay so screenplay Uh, yeah adapted screenplay uh district nine an education in the loop up in the air and the winner precious uh, mm. I have not seen Precious or an Education, uh, but let's see. Um, I you know, up in the air. I think maybe. I think this film's really witty. I think the the dialogue is, you know, insightful, smart, memorable. I think the screenplay is solid. I would. I, I think they should have taken it. But then again, haven't seen two of these. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I've seen all of them. It's been a minute for a few of them. Uh, I, I, an education you got to see. Carrie Mulligan is fucking unreal in that movie. You got to check that out. I know you're a big fan of hers. Uh, Precious is just tough, just tough as nails. That's what and, I've heard. It's not, I'm yeah. not exactly clamoring to watch it because I know it's going to be just depressing as fuck. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think it, I think it's a very worth, worth your time, you know. Uh, it will, it will like rock you, you know, it'll, yeah, you, you have to be, you have to be ready for it. Definitely. Uh, I, but I, I, I'd give it to up in the air. I think up in the air does what I always want a, a screenplay, especially an adapted screenplay that's kind of taking its liberties with the book to kind of change it to this current setting. 
this is from 2001 to 2008, 2009. And I think it does a really good job of taking those liberties and making it more applicable to, to this, to the setting that it's in. And it's like pretty fucking funny. It's like gut wrenching at times. And it's very insightful about, again, about the setting, about the time, about the crisis and about what was going on in America and how people were getting laid off left and right. Uh, I just really like when a movie does that, like capture something specific. Uh, but these, these, this is a good group. This is a good group. You know, District 9's strong film. And The Loop is, you know, one that you got to talk about at length earlier. And uh, yeah, again, an education. Put that on your list, man. Kerry Mulligan's worth your time on that one. I will keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. For sure, this is one year where I'm uh, I'm missing some some big ones, which is uh, unfortunate. I've just never really sat down and bothered. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to rectify that. There you go. This is yeah. This show always does that for both of us. We're like, ah, I might as well knock those out. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Uh, best director: James Cameron for Avatar, Quentin Tarantino for Inglorious Bastards, Lee Daniels for Precious. Jason Reitman for Up in the Air, and the winner, Catherine Bigelow, for The Hurt Locker, becoming the first woman to ever win Best Director. And mm. no longer the only. Congratulations, Chloe Zhao. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fuck you, James Cameron. Suck a dick. <laughs> yeah. That should have just been her whole speech. Yeah. Yeah. She'd just go up there and just fucking flick everybody off. Yeah. Bigelow is a goddamn... She deserves this shit. I mean, Tarantino puts in a, puts in a fucking unbelievable directorial performance in, in, in bastards hurt locker. Holy shit. She directs the piss out of that movie. I, I sometimes I don't think hurt locker has any business being anywhere near as good as it is. And she's just like that good. She's that good at, at cuts and making those, those key decisions to make a movie turn. And the hurt locker is, is to me like, like it just deserves this stuff. It does, you know, it, it's not my favorite movie from the year, you know? Obviously, it's not my top five or anything, but I respect the fucking shit out of it. See, I just, I haven't watched it yet. I, I bought it, and I, I just haven't, bought, I, I gotta sit down and watch The Hurt Locker. Oh, I've, dude, I know. it's got some amazing scenes where you're like, who, who is in the chair? <laughs> like, yeah. like this, this is awesome. Uh, Lee, Dan- Lee, Lee Daniels, Reitman, Tarantino, Cameron, and Bigelow, like, holy hell, what a cool group. I, I do think it just would have been really cool if you went up there and was like, you know, I'm the queen of the world or some shit like that. Just mocked him. Mm. Yeah. But she's bigger you've than that. Se- you've seen other big low stuff though, right? You know, like fucking near dark. I've, I've seen, I've seen near dark point break zero dark 30 in Detroit. So I'm not oh, entirely dude. unversed. <laughs> Detroit. Detroit's an experience. Good God. She, she I, directed the shit out of that one too. I liked it, but I never want to watch that movie again. It's infuriating, like in yeah. infuriating. And Point Break, there's a couple, there's a couple like runs in that movie that you're you just you can't believe what you're seeing. You're like, holy shit, man! I don't the, love I don't love that movie, but I but I kind of do. <laughs> in the wrong hands, Point Break could have been yeah. absolutely disastrous. But exactly, Bigelow just makes that movie work. I don't know what it is. It's the perfect blend of cheese. And perfectly executed action. It just works. Yeah. And yeah. it's a fun ass movie. It's yeah. it's hard to yeah. not just enjoy that thing. I, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. 
one of these days we should just have a fucking Catherine Bigelow episode, you know, and just just talk about all of her fucking movies, whether they're Oscar nominated or not. She's she's so good. <laughs> I I love her. Uh, this this is this is tough though. Uh, I'm guessing you know Tarantino would get your vote, right? I'm not going to give a vote because I have not seen The Hurt Locker, and I from what I understand, okay. she okay. deserves she deserved this wholeheartedly, and I don't want to take it away from her since I haven't seen the film. Well, I'll tell you what, James Cameron should not be there. Um, he fucking no way should he be there. <laughs> yeah, Avatar. Ooh, boy, not not my bag. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll never understand the hype behind that movie. How that became like the biggest movie of all time, but is completely absent from any pop culture significance. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think you know, throw the Coens in there for a serious man or Neil Blomkamp for District Nine. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Boom. Um, best supporting actress. We got two in this category. Indeed. Uh, Penelope Cruz for nine. Vera Farmiga for Up in the Air. Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart. Anna Kendrick for Up in the Air. And the winner, Monique for Precious. Oof. All right. Apart from Up in the Air, I haven't seen these three films. <laughs> uh, you haven't seen Crazy Heart? I haven't. I just dog, yeah, dude. I know. Oh, I know. Crazy I Heart's really good. This is Monique's though. This is Monique's through and through. She, yeah, she's like, yeah. It's like, you know, when Viola Davis just kind of like steals stuff, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, it makes sense. Or when like Kate Blanchett shows up in something, you're like, oh yeah, she's the best person in the whole fucking movie. Monique does that. You know, she does that kind of stuff in this movie, and she's the person you you cannot get out of your head you cannot forget the stuff she says the dialogue she's given and the facial expressions she's she's fucking off off her rocker that movie so good maggie gyllenhaal though crazy heart that would be my second pick uh have not seen nine penelope cruz is unbelievable performer and has a really unique filmography i I would love to see that movie but god crazy heart that that might need to go at the top of your top of your top of your watch list. I mean, it's it's it's, it's bridges, you know. It's his it's, it's his, his win. It's I, his gold. Yeah, I know it feels incomplete. I don't know. I I went into this specific episode knowing I was going to catch a lot of shit when we got to this point. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't I know that. I, yeah, I didn't. I had no idea you hadn't seen Crazy Heart. Crazy Heart is like yeah, it's like Jeff Bridges' fucking love letter, you know, to like so many things. He's just. Cause he always wanted to play music before acting. You know, he always wanted to be a musician. He always wanted to be a singer songwriter. He never really got to do that. So he, he was better at acting. It paid the bills. It made more sense for him, but he always was like, I, this is what I want to do. So him being able to do both and win for it is like is pure gold. I God, that movie's, that movie's fucking moving. And I think Maggie's the only one who can kind of, kind of rival Monique uh, for, for the, for the best supporting actress. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll take your word for that. I got to see these movies. Uh, yeah, the two that the two that I would say so far, uh, Crazy Heart and an Education, because I, I know how big of a fan you are of Carrie Mulligan, and she, yeah, she, oh boy, she can perform. Jesus, I've never, I've never had an actress completely win me over like as a fan with one movie before. And yeah, that was so it lights out. It's time. It's time to get, to see what else is before. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I got work to do. Um. Best actor, George Clooney for Up in the Air, Colin Firth for A Single Man, Morgan Freeman for Invictus, Jeremy Renner for The Hurt Locker, and the winner, Jeff Bridges, Crazy Heart. 
Oh boy. Uh, what a group. Holy hell. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, all right. So I have seen a single man, um, very touching underrated movie. Uh, Firth is amazing in that movie. He's Colin Firth's underrated in the big scheme of things. He's, he's underrated. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, have not seen Invictus. Um, yeah, yeah. It's what I've heard. I've heard it's not it's, really young. It's whatever. I don't know. It's one of Eastwood's kind of like out of touch. Like what? Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm not really a fan of what Matt Damon's doing in that movie. His accents just, just doesn't, I don't buy it. The South African accent. I don't buy it. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, it is, you got Charlton Copley over here, you know, who is South African, maybe give it to him, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from what I hear, I've heard kind of, I've heard like, I know like from you, I think you told me, you know, Bridges earned this one, but I've heard some people say this was a career Oscar that he should have gotten it for like Lebowski really. But um, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I judge, I'll judge it for myself because I'm a massive Jeff Bridges fan and I will see everything eventually. Oh, oh Otis bad Blake does not, there's no way i can ever accept i i i'm usually in that camp of like oh they give it to him later on he probably should have gone for all this other stuff and that might be true but that doesn't mean he shouldn't get the gold later on if he deserves it kind of like al pacino in scent of a woman it's like well but he did a pretty fucking good job so like it's okay just because he didn't win it for godfather and serpico and you know dog day afternoon He's still really good in this other one 20 years later. <laughs> and I, I think I think that about Bridges. Well, yeah, he's like lights out from last picture show on for fucking 50 years. He's he still is amazing and crazy hard. I think Clooney's really good. I'm with you. Firth is really good. Renner's really good. But th- th- if I have a vote inside these five, there's no question I'm giving it to Bridges. But where on earth is Mr. Brad Pitt as Aldo Rain? Where on earth? How the yeah. fuck is he not in this group? <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. Brad Pitt delivers in, I think, you know, the, I, I love his performance in Inglorious Bastards. It's constantly flipping between that and uh, Hollywood for me, but Aldo is something special. Just money, money ball. He's so good at money ball. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bean. Can't, yeah. Mm. Can't forget that. Oh, Jesus. He just gets to play like himself, but it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's a better work. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, but yeah, Aldo is such a great hero. He's such a heroic, noble character. And I mm. love the bits you get of his backstory. I love the, the lynching uh, rope scar on his neck. That Oof. tells you exactly why he hates people like this. Like, it's just, yeah, he deserved to be here. Yeah, yeah, I would take Morgan Freeman out. I, I love Morgan Freeman. Love his love his catalog, but not this this particular role as Nelson Mandela. Uh, I think you got to have Aldo in there. He's he's like one of the best characters of, of the century. So <laughs> you should probably have that there. And, and it's not it's not for a lack of respecting the movie. It's up for best picture. It's up for best director. Christoph Waltz won. Yep. So I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. I think Melanie Laurent should have been up for best supporting actress as well. Like That's a there should be more acting nominations from this from that movie. I I'm I'm totally on board with that one. Yeah, and I and I also you know I 
when I talked about serious man, like Michael Stuhlbarg, I think is putting in a best actor kind of, kind of performance in that, in that movie that gets hard. That gets hard. Cause then I don't know who I take out. Um, maybe Jeremy Renner. I don't know. That's really hard. Yeah. I've got to, I got to watch the fucking Hurt Locker. <laughs> You've probably also been waiting to do it on this show because it'll be a Best Picture showdown at some point. So it's kind of like, when are we going to do it? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of movies I've just been holding on to for first reactions on this show. But maybe I just got to, you know, make it the second reaction and just get it, this over with. Yeah. And it's it's not, yeah, and it, it won't be really getting it over with. It's it's up your alley. It I really know. is. It, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll dig it a lot. Yeah, I know. It's not like, you know, Henry V. Like, this is something I want to see <laughs> that I've been w- wanting to watch. And yeah, I it's no blind side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that either. I got to watch you that. You don't, too. you don't need to. <laughs> that's, that's the, the worst thing about this, this uh, ceremony is definitely Brad Pitt not being there and Sandra Bullock winning for that. Just, just train wreck to me. That movie is a goddamn train wreck. And I don't, I really don't get it. I, it should have been, it should have been Carrie Mulligan. I think from what I've seen, uh, I also actually really like Meryl Streep's performance in, uh, Julie and Julia. I know she has like fucking 25 nominations, but she's actually really good in it. I just don't think Sandra Bullock is doing anything like worthwhile. It's not something that's aged well at all. The movie's basically a whole lie. So I just, I just don't like it. Damn. No, well, now I have to see it. Yeah. Uh, just, just look up what the, you know, it's about Michael Orr, the football player. Look up what yeah. he has to say about it. And you'll be like, Oh, hey, yikes. <laughs> uh, well, that's a great transition into best picture. Um, yep. Yep. Avatar, the blind side, district nine and education and glorious bastards, precious, a serious man up, up in the air. And the hurt locker wins. Uh, up, love to see, up. love to see up there. Like, yeah. It's one of, let's see. One of three animated movies? Yeah. Yep. Beauty and the Beast, this, and Toy Story 3. Yeah, the only animated movies to be up for Best Picture. Up is, up is awesome. One of the most catastrophic endings yeah, of, that we've ever seen in a Pixar movie. It's really hard to watch. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah. Fantastic movie, though. Um, I don't... This was the first year where they made it more than five nominees, and I just don't like that. Uh, yeah, Avatar yeah. does not deserve praise like this. Uh, from what I hear, some of these other films don't as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what would be really cool is uh, with these these later years. You know, I know we like to rank them all, but what would be fun is if we made cuts to where it was like these are the five that should be in. You That's know? fucking uh, brilliant. That's what we should do. So you you watch all the movies and you're like, okay, I take out. You know, you got. Hurt Locker, let's keep it. Avatar, let's take it out. Blindside, let's take it out. District 9, maybe. Education, maybe. Bastards, keep. Precious, maybe. Serious Man, keep. Up, keep. Up in the air. And then you're like, oh, fuck, we got to make cuts. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> that would be really fun. I, I love that idea. That'd be great. Uh, so best picture, the Hurt Locker? Ba- Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. Bastards. Bastards, Hurt Locker, a Serious Man. Those, one of those three. Okay. Yeah. I, if any Tarantino film was going to win best picture, it would have been this one. And, uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then of course, of course, when once upon a time in Hollywood comes out, this fucker Bong Joon-ho had to make a fucking masterpiece and just take everybody's <laughs> hearts. 
And I, <laughs> I, I agree with it. I think Parasite is a better overall movie. And sorry, sorry, Quentin. <laughs> and, and, you know, Django is not for everybody, right? You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty wild. And that, that finale is pretty fucking jarring. And I, I like it a lot more than Argo, but I, I don't know. It's hard to look at Django as like, yeah, that's a best picture winner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is very good though. I, I don't think it's that hard. I, I love Django to fucking death. That movie is brilliant and a win for, I'm glad he won screenplay, but yeah, yeah. A, a picture win for that would have been beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Would have been pretty cool. I, I agree. Uh, and you know, hateful eight's not beating spotlight. So, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I love spotlight. Love it. Love it. Love it. Sweet. All right. Up in the air. Let's knock this out. Yeah. Up in the air. That's let's, you know, these awards were fun to kind of come up with in my, in, in my rewatch of this. I've probably seen it four or five times now uh, over the past. I can't remember the first time I saw it. I, I remember watching it really randomly back in maybe 2013, 2014, somewhere in there where I was just kind of like, Oh, this seems like a, seems like a movie I, I would dig. You know, it's kind of in that same family as like little miss sunshine where it's like, Oh, this might, this might teach me something and make me laugh. And I think that's exactly what it does. And it gets better and better every time. So if you've been with us before, you know exactly what we're doing here. We got the uh, Tarantino award. <laughs> Tarantino keeps coming up uh, for best quote or best line. However you want to see it. We've got the uh, Ennio Morricone award for best music moment, best needle drop moment, whatever you want it to be involving music. Uh, you got the Philip Seymour Hoffman award for the best performance of the movie. And then finally, we have the Roger Deakins Award for our favorite scene of the whole movie. So I'll let you take it away with your Tarantino. I have three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Two small lines and then one big monologue that I just adored. Uh, so first up, it's early on when Ryan's on the flight, just kind of you know going through the motions, and he gets a Coke, and the lady asked him, do you want the cancer? Yeah. yeah. And he's like... <laughs> Do I, do I want the cancer? And she's like, do you want the can, sir? <laughs> He's like, oh, no. <laughs> so good. It's, it's, it's odd, but like, yeah, I love that he's, you know, he's got death on the mind. He, you know, he's, he's in a, a, a life of constant, you know, endings. Mm. So why wouldn't that just be on his mind? It made sense to me. Yeah. When it's a good, it's a good, good little kind of, plot device to kind of show that this guy's been on a lot of fucking planes and he sees a lot of those ladies <laughs> the stewards coming by you know to to give him to give him a drink or whatever and he's just i'm sure he's heard all kinds of stuff <laughs> one of my favorite little moments is when he opens his fridge in his apartment and it's all condiments and little alcohol bottles <laughs> yeah perfect um yeah my other all right my second line is when he um He's going into the hotel uh, with um, Anna Kendrick's character, Natalie. And uh, she just, her boyfriend just broke up with her on text and he doesn't realize that. And he starts talking about uh, like how we all die alone. And he says, starting when I was 12, we moved each one of my grandparents into a nursing facility. My parents went the same way. Make no mistake. We all die alone. Now those cult members in San Diego with the sneakers and the Kool-Aid, they didn't die alone. I'm just saying there are options. <laughs> and then she starts crying and he doesn't know how to handle that <laughs> perfect the, great the worst thing you Clooney. could say, the worst thing you could say to somebody who just got dumped we all Via die text. alone yeah, yeah. join a cult <laughs> and then my third one is just real simple it's after he gets the 10 million mile like 
super card. And Sam Elliott just turns to him and says, you know, we really appreciate your loyalty. Yeah. Oh, man. And he's just broken. He doesn't have anything left to live for, really. Everything he thought he knew has been spun out of control. This is the, the moment he's been waiting for, and he has nothing to say. Like, what a – how unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, – I love that. I love that when Clooney's – when Ryan Ryan Bingham is like, you know, I've imagined this moment over and over and over, and I've gone over what I was going to say and what you were going to say and how the conversation was going to go. And he's like, I kind of forgot what, what I was going to say. <laughs> and that that is – that is so surreal when you get to like a certain place in life that you think, Oh, I've made it when really it's just like mm, the world keeps moving. doesn't stop for you. You just, what did, what did you lose to get here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Hours, hours upon hours and planes, which I just, I just, uh, you know, as a character and as a job, I could not handle that. Oh my oh. Lord. He, t- he talks about at the beginning where he's like, I, I'm traveling 320 whatever days of the year. So I spend 40 miserable days at home. I'm like, Oh my God, I love being at home. (laughs) I, you know what I, this movie speaks to me on a different level because I actually, I I was laid off once at uh, my old job uh, and I got a phone call and that's how I I found out. Like they called me. I was like, Hey, uh, your job is no longer necessary. Uh, we're going to let you go. And I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) It was just like, it's cold how people do that. There's never any, the boss never wants to tell you to your face. They never want to be the bad guy. And they just, you know, they outsource it or they call you or they email you and try to take all the personal connection out of it. And it's fucking cold. And yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I think. You can watch a movie and then something happens to you and then you watch the movie again and you're like, oh, how about that? I, I, I get that part of the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I've, I've, I've been fired, but kind of because it was my fault. So, I, you know, it wasn't anything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was when I was, I, was, I was really young and being stupid and just not showing up, you know, not having good attendance. So that's on me. <laughs> I was good at my job and they didn't <laughs> fucking care. So yeah. fuck them. And that's a lot of people in this movie, right? Is like, they're what the fuck I've been here for 30 years. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Those are, those are great picks. This is a really good screenplay. Uh, there's lots of just little bits, little spurts. Like you, like you mentioned the cancer, you know, cancer, <laughs> like really good, really clever. Uh, I chose for my Tarantino. I chose at the very beginning of the movie. First off, there's a great, I'm not going to say it out loud, but there's a great song that plays at the beginning of the movie. Cause it might be, I don't know if it's in your Enyo or not. It's just really, really cool, really cool touch. Um, you know, we got kind of like a montage of different places around the U S and then, then we jump right in, you know, we jump right into what Ryan Bingham does. And you have Zach Galifianakis uh, character. Who's, who's like about to cry. <laughs> and he says, who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> and, and then, and then Ryan Bingham is narrating and he says, excellent question. Who the fuck am I? Poor Steve has worked here for seven years. He's never had a meeting with me before or passed me in the hall or told me a story in the break room. And that's because I don't work here. I work for another company that lends me out to pussies like Steve's boss who don't have the balls to sack their own employees. And in some cases, for good reason, because people do crazy shit when they get fired. (laughs) (laughs) What a fantastic introduction. 
you like you can't you can't help you're like i'm glued i don't really care what happens next I like I, i'm in clooney's voice the some of the language that's here it's, it's very choosy with the way it's saying things and saying lends me out to pussies like steve's boss like yes like sign me up that's such a great way to kind of lure you in to to the story you're about to watch and how it it's probably gonna be dark and sad but you're like this is kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it honestly i'm gonna say it it's very cohen coheny and oh yeah I, I respect the hell out of out of reitman's kind of style with that yeah absolutely i'm sure you know clooney had some input having worked with the cohen brothers i'm sure he came in and was like well why don't we do it like this yeah, yeah. let me let me talk <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it man all right you're you're in yo i hope i i didn't want to step on your toes but that that beginning song is so cool i've been listening to it all day it is cool it is not my any not mine either obviously <laughs> um mine is just funny because of juxtaposition it's young mc playing at the super white bread tech conference just him coming out and being like how's it how's it going you know random software company tech conference and everyone's like oh let's go yeah i like, love that this scene is, this is so sad <laughs> it's very sad yeah <laughs> like, this is your, this is his check of the month and it's just so like this is not the right crowd, but everyone's like freaking out because they're all drunk as fuck, and it's it's just hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they're all they're all drunk as fuck because they're all miserable. Well, I love when they walk into the conference. Fucking OPP by Naughty by yeah. Nature is playing. Yeah, you like, know me. <laughs> and then Good Times plays. Yeah, it's such a good little like just transition of music right there. That's a great pick. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> God, I love, I love that whole bit because you can you can see that they're like we know this is lame, but but you know Anna Kendrick she's having a blast. She's like getting wasted and having fun, doing karaoke, and you're like, hey, who gives a shit? Um, the song I'm referring to at the beginning is "This Land Is Your Land," but it's a really mm-hmm. cool rendition. It's by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Ah. Fucking fucking awesome! Like I love I love that that bit. Have you heard their cover of Midnight Rider? Oh, yeah. I've been listening <clears> to them <throat> since I saw this movie for the first time. I was like, who is that? What is that voice? And let me get more of that because it's such a cool cover of that song. Very, yeah, very cool. But I had to stick with my, my heart here. Um, uh, the Black Keys are one of my, one of my favorite, favorite bands of, of this century. And Dan Auerbach is one of my favorite front men. I love his mind. I love his attitude towards music. I love his stuff with the keys i love his solo stuff and on on you know in in this movie there's there's kind of a montage of them going to different cities and firing people it's really really fucking sad uh and going home by dan auerbach off keep it hit is playing and it's such a gorgeous gorgeous song and i've i've listened to that song that one and the breaks by the black keys i've listened to those two Mm -hmm. songs in moments where i'm like really lost and really uh, confused about like what's going on uh, around me, and they always pull me back in. They always like pull me back to, it's okay to kind of, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, in your kind of in your emotions. And uh, to put that in a movie, I'm like, I'm just that's just kind of, I'm kind of a sucker for that kind of stuff. And I, Auerbach's voice is like one of my very favorites. Love that guy to death. His 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 attitude, the way the stuff he knows about his knowledge with music is just really cool. I've listened to him on a few podcasts and I just love that guy. He's fucking cool. Just him and Patrick Carney are just fucking cool. 
Great pick, man. Yeah. I, you know how much I love the black keys. Uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I've seen them in concert twice. Just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the breaks is such a great song. Yeah. Well yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That was one of my, one of my first shows was, uh, where like I was going and I spent my own money. I was 17 and it was 2012. And I saw the black keys and the Arctic monkeys in Austin at the Frank Irwin center. And I just, it kind of, it kind of, kind of altered my i was like oh man i'm i'm, I'm really like I, I was into the black keys and the monkey you know arctic monkeys but now i'm like now i'm really into the black keys and arctic monkeys and i haven't really looked back you know uh and dan auerbach's got some great solo stuff that guy that guy fucking rips i love him yeah that's awesome oh, that would have been such a, i saw him with uh at the frank Irwin center a couple years later with uh saint vincent i like saint and, vincent fuck yeah. yeah they're not bad live they're not, they're they're- not they're not great. <laughs> they're not the Arctic Monkeys, but no. And then Christ, the second the time, Arctic Monkeys are cool. The second time they were with Modest Mouse. Oh, I love Modest Mouse. That's cool as shit. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I would have much rather seen the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> I, I, me, me, me too. I, I like the Arctic Monkeys just as much as the Black Keys, if not more. I fucking love their their discography. Like they're just they're like one of the only like proper rock bands, you know that that are really popular and. Oh, yeah. And I, I adore them. I think Alex Turner is just a fucking like revelation for rock music. And yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're great. I could talk about that stuff all day. You know, I like movies, but music is music is so important. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Uh, cool. So PSH. 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 Clooney. Yeah, gotta be. Gotta Clooney. be. Yep. Gotta be, gotta be Clooney. He, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite performances of his whole career. Maybe, may, maybe my favorite. I don't know. I'd have to really kind of rewatch some stuff and kind of watch some stuff I haven't seen before and and narrow that down. But off the top of my head, you know, I'd say this and Michael Clayton. He's yeah, I'd, he's so funny in this movie without without even trying. And the stuff he does when he when he's doing the backpack stuff, <laughs> shit cracks me up. <laughs> It's so funny because you're, you're, you're like Clooney. You feel like this guy Clooney might be like that in real life. <laughs> I love when he's um at the wedding and Danny McBride has cold feet and they call him in to talk him off the ledge. And he's like, I give anti-commitment speeches. And they're like, that's a fucked up message. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but it's yeah. mine. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. He's like, He's put, you know, start with the little things, the knickknacks, you know, and then move on to the lamps, the couches, your bed. <laughs> He's like, it's getting kind of heavy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you're you're scared of everything, you fucker. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, this is a great character study. Yeah, it really uh, is. You know, yeah, up in the air is awesome. Ryan Bingham, great character. Um, well, yeah, well done, Clintang. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's he's gonna come up, you know, undoubtedly just because of his resume. Uh, but this is the first time we've really got to talk about him, and uh, you know, I th- I think at the top of the show, I was hard on him. You know, <laughs> I, I I I'm gonna stand by. I you know I don't think he's on par with some of the other like superstars, but I he's damn good, and he's damn good in this movie. And this is kind of one of those kind of career type type performances where you're like okay yeah this this is at the top of his you know pantheon um the deacons the roger deacons your favorite scene i can't wait to hear what you got oh this it's not so much my favorite scene because it fucking hurts but it's my it's the best scene of the movie as far as i'm concerned and it's the exact opposite 
of what this movie of how this movie should end because it's not a Hollywood rom-com mm. it's Ryan Bingham going to Alex's apartment expecting you know her to you know sweep sweep her off her feet and then finding out she has a, a family he never told her about and then her later calling him and treating him like the bad guy for you know bothering to show up at her house like you could have really ruined things for me like that whole bit of just how devastated and emotionally permanently broken he is from that. The one time he let his guard down and it destroys him. I fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then on top of all that, he leaves like this huge occasion where he's this, he's like the main speaker. He yeah. leaves that. And that's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And he's thinking, well, who gives a shit? I'm probably going to live in Chicago now. You know, he's like, mm. I'll do any, he doesn't have anything. He literally just has his luggage and what he's wearing. So he's like, I don't care. I'm going to, I'll go to Chicago. Sure. Sounds good. But like all of that just gets flipped upside down. And he's like, Oh, I have to go back and kind of face those people. Shit. And Jason, Jason Bateman's like, Hey buddy, we need you back on the road. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> and he can't even enjoy that anymore. The one thing that gave his life meaning was not having any meaning. And he can't have that anymore. He's gotten a taste of what love feels like. And it's, he'll never have, it'll, it'll never be the same again. It's, it's incredibly apocalyptic. <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. I've never seen a movie end on such a sour note before. Uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking rough. Yeah. The ending is, it, it, it's a, like a perfect landing. Yeah. And it and, and it ride it like rides from him leaving the the conference to like making the decision to get on the plane and go see her uh, like unannounced, and then Jason Bateman coming into his office like, hey, actually we're not going to do all that stuff we talked about, and and then Anna Kendrick goes to San Francisco to get the other job, and um, at least Ryan Bingham wrote that really cool recommendation for her, you know, like that that was that was big, that was really cool, and. I love that part of the movie. I love that they show that. The guy says, I hope he's not wrong. And she puts mm. his hand out. That's a really, really good scene. Um, I almost chose like that run. Same as you, but I, I can't get over the scene with JK Simmons. Uh, it's like, it's like 30 minutes into the movie and it just puts you on your ass. Cause you, you've seen a lot of people and a lot of these non-actors who are like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, and they have these like quick responses, but, but then we get JK and he, he's holding up his wallet with his two kids, the two, the pictures of his two kids. And then that scene when he's like, you know, I make $90,000 a year and what is unemployment? 250 fucking dollars a week. He's like, what am I going to do? You know? And then, and then I'm not going to be able to pay for insurance and then this, and then that, you know, he stacks up on the realities of getting fired, the realities of setting something up, setting up a mortgage, setting up insurance, setting up stuff for your kids and all that you have to explain to them is gone. He's like, what the, where the fuck does that leave me? You know, and then, and then Clooney, Clooney does that thing where he's like, I actually read people and I actually try to do my research. And he figures out that at one point he went to French culinary school and he's like, well, like, what did they give you to give up on your dreams? And he says $27,000 a year. Fuck me, dude. <laughs> I love that line so much. I, was, I almost picked that for my Tarantino, but I had so many. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm overloading here. Just how much did they pay you to give up on your dreams? Like we all, you know, the older we get, the more we have to think about that. Like, you know, the dreams, our dreams start getting farther and farther away. And yeah. we got to think like, you know, am I going to be realistic here? 
and it's a fucking drag. But yeah, and, I, and Clooney Clooney takes that drag, and he's like, "Look, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to like not only not only do you want to do this, you've always wanted to do this. Be be some sort of chef. Like show your kids that doing what you want that should be their hero." And like, as, as maybe Brian Bingham's just like, this is just what I got to do. So this guy won't jump off of a bridge. He, 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 he fucking convinces him like to smile and like, give it a chance. And then JK Simmons, like his facial expression like is just unbelievably good in that scene. He's so good in that scene. Like he, he does that stuff in movies where you're like, give him a supporting actor nomination for being in it for five fucking minutes, you know? It's it's that good of a scene. I love. I, I rewatch that scene a lot. I'll just put it on. You know, don't even need to watch the whole movie. It's just one of those bits where I'm like, man, that's that's just a good bit of dialogue, good screenplay, good performances, and g- great kind of inspiration for someone who's like weighing the options of I can make you know decent salary here, or I can make a little bit less doing what I what like really drives me and what really makes me want to like get up and and you know get up and breathe. And that's cool. I like when a movie does that. When I got, uh, when I got laid off from my job, it finally convinced me to um, go back to school to, you know, be a teacher, which is what I've always wanted to do. And uh, so there is something to that, you know, when, when when you lose something, maybe take that as an opportunity to be like, well, you know, what do I want? It's, you need that, you know, the very least in life, you should be happy. Yeah, yeah straight up, and it's very hard for people for a lot of people to attain. Yeah, God, Fuck, man, this is a, this is a good movie. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a great movie, great great movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't own this one. I don't really know why. I need to buy it. Uh, I should own it. it. Should be on my shelf. I think right now it's on HBO Max. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's how I watched it. Um. I think it's also on Hulu right now. I think it's on a couple streaming services. But yeah, check it out. I mean, rewatch it. Whatever you got to do, it's a good one. It's a good one. I think I think it's aged well. Uh, and it's a again, when you do something inside of a time frame like 2008, 2009, when America was going through something really tough. Uh, seemingly, you know, it seems like we've been going through something really tough every year. But this one's really easy to pinpoint and figure out what it was. You know, this this housing crisis, the market just crashing and people getting fired all over the place. It's it's good to have kind of like bits, bits of art to kind of attach to those moments in time. So really cool stuff, man. Uh, this is fun. This is a great episode. Uh, love doing the top fives. Love talking about these people in this movie. Love talking about, you know, Bastards and Hurt Locker and Up and like all these movies that make the, you know, make the ceremony and love giving awards out. You know, I, I think, I think this one's really worthwhile and I, I want to do more movies like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just want to point out that I do, I do own this one. I did buy, I did go out and buy this because Good. I wanted it. I knew I was going to watch this again. Uh, and it is, a, it's a solid nine for me. Uh, beautiful movie. Hell yeah, man. Good stuff. Love it. Next week is going to be a change of pace. <laughs> Uh, next week, there is a movie that I think is, is, is very anticipated by a lot of people, especially kind of award circuit people. And that's a uh, house of Gucci starring, you know, Adam driver and lady Gaga, bunch of, bunch of goddamn people directed by Ridley Scott, 
Uh, he's already had the last duel come out this year, but this is the one I think that's going to like make a splash at the box office uh, and make a splash at, at, you know, the Oscars, uh, a bunch of different, you know, BAFTAs. It's going to make a splash during award season. And no, it's, it's time to do a, to do a Ridley Scott movie that you haven't seen. So you can knock it off the goddamn list. You know, uh, there's, there's a few to choose from uh, movies that we've brought up on here. You know, we could do Thelma and Louise. We've talked about that movie on here. Uh, you could do the Martian, but we're going to do Black Hawk Down from 2001, which hit, you know, hit its 20 uh, year anniversary this year. So it's going to be going to be some fun. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm really excited to rewatch it. So hopefully, hopefully you guys come on back and, and check it out. I'm going to see if it's on something right now. Black Hawk Down. I've, I own it, so I'm, I'm, I kind of forget. Um, it's on HBO Max right now. So if you want to watch that uh, this week. You watch some really Scott stuff and come back and we'll be talking about it. It's like a two and a half hour fucking epic. So I'm excited. Much different than up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bought this on the half price books clearance shelf for a dollar knowing like in anticipation of this episode. So I'm all set. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. We may do, may do some sort of, I don't know. Top five really Scott's really hard. He's got a lot of movies. Uh, we could do that though. We could do, I don't know. We could, we, we can kind of play with it. Uh, we've already done 2001. So, uh, you know, we did that for Mulholland drive and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we'll figure something out to do for fun to open that show up. Uh, cause it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit heavier, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Black Hawk down, Black Hawk down is not like a easy watch. So, uh, but I'm, but I'm excited to give it another go. It's again, it's been a while for me. So what else do we have? I know tomorrow is, um, Ghostbusters. The new, yes. you know, Jason Reitman, shout out. What's on Filmgasm? Oh, this, weird, this week's Filmgasm is going to be fucking weird. Um, Josh is hosting once again to bring me something strange from the bowels of horror that I've never even heard of. It's a 1982 alien movie called Extro. Uh, Fuck I know, yeah. Fuck I know yeah. nothing about it. I haven't watched it yet. It's uh, There's a cut of it available on YouTube. And uh, Josh is going to be leading that one, so going to be a change of pace it's going to be fucking odd so tune in wednesday for that uh and of course ghostbusters yeah. tomorrow <laughs> awesome awesome man gonna be a good week mm-hmm. kick ass uh well with that we'll see you next week Have yeah. a good one. Yeah. S- signing off on oscar sunday this is another great one man i had a blast